Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Are you ready? We have the Bulletproof and Parry collab. We have our new rash guards. They're available now for pre-sale. Now, this pre-sale closes on New Year's Eve, so you've got to get in while you can. When you add a pair of shorts at checkout with our rash guards, you get them 50% off. And the wonderful people at Parry also put on a beautiful Bulletproof for BJJ logo on that bad boy for you. The orders ship on February 1st. If you would like to get 20% off your order, just put Bulletproof 20 at checkout. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. Q&A for BJJ. You've called in, you've left us some questions. We will bring the answers and help you all. Leave us one for the next episode, bulletproofforbjj.com podcast page, record a voicemail. First one coming in from your boy, John. So I'm a little bit older and I've been doing jujitsu for uh, quite a while, purple belt. I mean, nice. quite a while, however long that is, five, six years or something like that. Cool. And uh, last year I injured my knee and it got me thinking about, you know, long term, like outside of jujitsu, I'm a personal trainer and, uh, you know, I lift weights a lot of cycling, active lifestyle, and I feel like jiu-jitsu uh, puts that in danger. You know, the injuries are kind of catastrophic. I, I was walking around with a cane for two months uh, after this, this injury, and, uh, you know, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is the common story. This is what happens. You get a little bit older, you start, you know, I always advise people when you're older, you can't do dynamic type of stuff where you're going to put yourself in danger of not being able to have long-term activity. And now I'm thinking I have to take my own advice. But anyway, I I don't know. I'm just, maybe there's something else I can do with jujitsu or uh, maybe something I just have to do that's different altogether. Um, Anyway, uh, it, it's it's hard for me because, you know, you put so much of your identity into this sport and I kind of base a little bit of my masculinity on it, to tell you the truth. Mm. Anyway, your thoughts. Um, yeah, cheers. All right. Uh, that's a very honest share from, from the boy there, from John. Thank you for that. The, the, that's the reality, man. The conundrum that faces us all. And I think it's harder if you are an active, healthy person. Yeah, if you if you because you notice what you can't do, right? Fuck, it takes me away from all that. Oh, I can't, I can't go cycling, or I can't go hiking, or whatever it is you like to do. Yeah, and I think it's realist for those of you out there, men or women, who have physical jobs. If you have a job where your body is your work, you need to be physically functional. It, it, it really throws it in your face, like holy shit, I can't make money the way I normally do, and that's everybody needs that. But if we go more to that longevity point, as you're saying, I don't believe that getting old means you can't do dynamic things. But definitely what it means is you have to definitely reconsider risk versus reward. And so for some of us out there, you don't necessarily need to be getting older. There's plenty of younger jiu-jitsu athletes who have been brutally injured in their 20s. So the time they get to their 30, they, they are kind of fucked because they, they just they went super hard. And, and this is the difficulty. We are really... Uh, what the Raspberry Apes say, he's saying like you're doing a deal with the devil. 
you're kind of signing away your health to have fun at this thing and then you're going to pay the price later in 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 a lack of being able to use your body so you sound like a health conscious man my advice is this you need to find a way to interact with jujitsu that isn't more than what your body can handle and for everyone that is different and i i think that it's really good that you've come to this point in realizing this i don't think you have to give up jujitsu but it really just depends on how many injuries you you accumulate what's your thoughts joe yeah great points um to take uh, to tell a story of a friend of ours, Jess Fraser, yes, who said to said to me explicitly, "When I can no longer be the hammer, I will quit jujitsu." <laughs> and that is her. Jess knows exactly what she wants from jujitsu. Yes, and so she's like, "When that, when I can no longer get what I want, I'm going to quit. And I'm going to do other things. Yeah, skateboard, powerlift. Yeah, you know, she's an active individual. Surf. Yes. Yeah, yeah. However." Myself, I have kind of been in a, a similar situation like, say, as you, John, and I've thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I'm happy to change how I engage with jiu-jitsu, at least for now. I can still be the hammer a little bit sometimes. Um, white belts look out. <laughs> but, you know, I'm happy to play sometimes a bit more defensively and just work on things, close up parts of my game. Maybe I'm not going to be as athletically as, as competitive as I was, but I'm now looking for something different. So that there is the trade-off. Like, well, what do I really want from jiu-jitsu? What's important about it for me? And yeah, I think if you sit down and you figure that out, it's like, well, if you, if you realize that it's important enough to you to stay in there, then you got to change how you engage with it. But maybe you go, you know what? I only like to go on hard and now I can't go hard at it, so I'm out. And then stop. Yeah. And here's the thing. You can go do something else. And like this world of jiu-jitsu that you're in right now and your identity – you can just attach your identity to something else. That's true. Like, and you get into that world and like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fuck, sure. it could be tennis, bro. And you're like, <laughs> man, fly, fly I am the, I'm a fucking gun at the tennis club. I am, I am the most alpha dog at tennis club. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But yeah, like that's the, you know, that's the reality of it. So yeah, man, it sounds like a little personal journey to go on there. But, but for sure, look, the other thing is we're all going to quit at some point. Yes. Like we are. Yep. You won't be able to do it until the day you die, assuming you live a long natural life. Yes. And so then the reality is there is a point where you stop. So what makes you stop? Is it a personal choice or are you forced out by some – like, but it's going to happen. So maybe now is the time. Deep. There we go. Uh, next one coming in. I've never heard this guy before. Michael Archer. Oh, who is this man? Your boy. Yep. Hey, what's up, guys? Joey, JT. Um, Archie here, mate. Um, big supporter of you guys and the Archie. podcast. Always staying staunch, as uh, JT would say it. Um, but yeah, just thought I want to bring up a, a subject, just about the etiquette in rolling with women in jiu-jitsu. Can't obviously mention names, but had a few instances where guys are actually hurting women. I'm not all about it. Um, I think there's a definite place for females on the mats. I don't know what it is. Is it an ego thing? Is it something that they have to walk away and think that they've got a, some sort of win by doing that? But, yeah, uh, I know some clubs are sort of male-dominant and that other clubs are mixed. There's obviously some women that have jiu-jitsu gyms as well, which is great. But, yeah, just wanted to get your take, guys, on a little bit of etiquette uh, around rolling women and 
hopefully this serves a purpose and some insight in um, into the ego heads out there that um, hopefully find a balance within themselves. Yes, Mr. Mick. What a fucking legend. Okay, he, he's a legend. Uh, he's one of our OGs in the program. Yeah, day out. one. Tough guy. Also an amazing striker. Ah, he used to, yeah. pad holder. Tie boxing, huh? Yeah, yeah. He's held pads for some very, very famous fighters. Right on. Um, look, to your point, Mick, mate, and this isn't even a male-female thing, you shouldn't be injuring your training partners. Like that's just – that is a shit move. If you're in there rolling so hard that your partner taps and you keep going or you're just really rough and, and they get an injury as a result, you are a crappy training partner. And so if it is guys specifically – going extra hard against women because it's an ego thing that they don't want to lose to a woman. I mean, the attitude that you would hurt your training partner is unacceptable. Like, let's take the male-female dynamic out of it. Hurting your training partner sucks. I've had a couple of training partners intentionally injure me and that was simply because I was getting the better of the role and they were like, fuck you. And that's, that's why I'm not friends with those people. I've trained with them. I'll give them the, the respect of, okay, you're a black belt or you're a brown belt or whoever you are, but we're not friends. And I'll, I'll happily tell people, be, be wary of that person. And when it comes to men being violent against women, that's unacceptable. Now, I know we do a combat sport, but like going beyond the, the bounds of just jujitsu, which is control and, and trust, which is why we tap, that's bullshit. That's unacceptable. So a gym where they allow that or that it's being brought up, that needs to be called out. That needs to be fucking nipped in the bud. And those guys who, who you are aware of, you should fucking pull them up too, Mick, because you could probably fucking dutz them hard. Fucking double dutz. Like, it's unacceptable in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, it comes from – it's a great question, by the way. It's a great thing to bring up because it – yeah, jiu-jitsu is male-dominant, right? It is. There's like across the board. So here – I know this. When I started jiu-jitsu – it was like, it's like a little fight club, right? As yeah. far as I knew. They're like, yeah, do the drill. Okay, now we roll. And when you roll, try and win. Yeah. And I, w- I remember rolling with like women there, but I, I was just new to it and they're kicking my ass because they're bit, and I'm just like, well, I'm using what I, I'm fucking just do it again. As, as, str- as much strength and athleticism as, as I can. Now, I probably was a real dick in a lot of those situations. I was completely oblivious to the fact that I shouldn't be approaching the role in that way. No, there was, there was no part of the culture that informed me, hey, you know, you're going to have a strength advantage over some people. Try not to exploit that, okay? Yeah. Try to just play the game. It's okay if you get tapped, you know? Like, it just, I had, I had to learn that. And I mean, we, you know, we base our podcast around shining a light on these things. Yeah. But so I, I think in, in, not in defense of those men, but in, in defense of some men, I think some of them are just oblivious to the fact like, because they're just trying to win. They're just trying to do the thing. Yeah, but I think that that's – I think we can all see whether, you know, the male or female dynamic is there. If you've got a, a bigger person and you're a bigger person, Mick, rolling a much smaller person, you don't go all out to just smash them. Yeah, but – You know, you want to meet them where they are. But, but, that, but that's something that we have now that, like, when you have experience, you can, you can make that assessment because you have a bit of clarity of mind. But I think when you're new – and all of a sudden you got swept and now someone's on top of you and you're like, wait, this is someone that in my uneducated mind, I could smash this person. 
right? This is the attitude that people are coming in with. Yeah, but maybe this is where there's a role for education from the coach. Like this is where... Of course, but this is what we're exploring, right? So I think that that has to be part of the culture at the gym. Like coaches got to let newer people know. They've got to be looking out for, hey, man, I saw you today. You, you were going a little bit too hard with, with that person. They're 20 kilos lighter than you. Maybe just pull up. It's all right if they kick your ass, you know? Mm. Like I think it needs to be spoken about. Um, and of course, I think that for anyone that has like a few classes worth of experience, they should be able to realize, okay, I have a, a size or a strength advantage. I'm not going to exploit that. I'm just going to, but some people are just fuckwits. They want to hurt people. Of course. There's a power game there. Of right? course. But I think, I think that probably the majority, like there's definitely an element of fuckwittery, <laughs> but I think that probably the majority of, of dudes that are kind of perpetrators of this thing are just unaware i don't i look yeah i mean we can't, like they're not doing it with mouth they're not like i don't know if that's true i don't know world. if that's true i i think it doesn't matter regardless if if you can see that the way you roll is resulting in injuries for training partners then you are going to break the universal trust of jujitsu which is you can roll really hard but someone shouldn't have to have time off because you went beyond where you needed to go you can mm. win a role without injuring someone. You can have a fucking furious role without... I mean, you can try to win a role without injuring someone. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that like many, many hard roles can occur without people sustaining injuries. But it doesn't... Um, to that point, it doesn't always result in an injury. And sometimes... But and he's saying injury. I know, but I'm just talking about... But it is a thing like sometimes it is, hey, that person rolls really fucking hard and I feel unsafe rolling with them. And because there's no injury that's come to the... It doesn't actually... That sometimes stops stops that person getting the spotlight shot on them. Like it's easy if, hey, dude, you keep fucking injuring people, settle down. But it's versus, fuck, that person just goes really hard all the time. Maybe people don't feel like they want to speak up about it, and it just kind of continues. Yeah, but what Mick is speaking specifically is about guys injuring women. Yeah, and big. so I must say, in that particular circumstance, that's that's just fucking not on. And that it needs to be called out. Absolutely. If the coach isn't aware, you've got to make the coach aware and you've got to be like, man, this is what fucks the culture of jiu-jitsu because this is unacceptable. Yeah. And you might find, man, coach might not be receptive to it. It might be, you know, whatever, something that they're just not particularly concerned about, in which case make some decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Last question coming in. Jess Tong. Oh, look out. Another day one on the Straight Instagram. Up. Hello, I'm Jess. I'm going to add a bit of context around my question. Um, someone I know moved to LA a few months ago and said she was having trouble making friends. So I suggested she try jujitsu. She joined shortly after and said she was training six days a week, a mixture of jujitsu and Muay Thai, sometimes twice a day. Previously, I think she was just doing yoga. So I advised her to lift weights at least three times a week and ease up on the training. That was in August. And sure enough, a month later, she got injured. Someone was in her clothes guard and dragged her backwards and I think she was holding on for dear life. So now she needs hip surgery on both sides and her labrum is torn. And apparently you can't rehab that, you gotta stitch it back. So she said her life has gone to shit now because she's in so much pain. So now I feel really guilty. Um I have another friend who also recently signed up to jujitsu in Sydney and I have a feeling he's going to catch a bug as well. So I've asked him to ease into it. Um, so my question is, when someone you know signs up to jiu-jitsu for the first time, what is the best way to advise them to proceed without overloading them with information? 
Um, I've recommended this podcast before, but I'm wondering if there's anything else. Thank you. Well, shit, Jess, who needs enemies when they've got friends like you? <laughs> Look, are you bored? you got nothing to do in LA? Try cocaine. Just a little. Just a little slow. Oh, Next thing you know, they're crackhead and they're on the streets. <laughs> Look, that's Cheeseburgers. tragic. Yeah, sorry to hear it. That's, that's tragic. That's not on you. No. That's the you first. Can't, you it's, can't. Yeah. You can't control – like we all know that feeling of froth where we find jujitsu and we're like, oh, I just want to do this all the fucking time, right? We just want to go hard. And – one of the most difficult things is if you're like uh, a reasonably healthy, active person, you said your friend had done yoga, they'd be pretty flexible and they're doing kickboxing, they're just going for it full tilt. No one says to them, hey, you should train less. They're like, nah, you love it? Just get in. Yeah, yeah, you'll be great. You're, get you're you the hybrid that. membership, two sessions a day, okay, just both programs. And, and anyone, could, anyone kind of outside of that could say, hey, that looks like too much. Catastrophic injuries do happen. I mean, there was a, a, a young lady who trained at the first gym I ever trained at. She'd only been there a couple months. She had to have a double knee reconstruction because someone had gone for a double leg takedown, had wrapped, done the leg wrap around behind the heels and double hyperextended both knees. Oh, God. So this woman was in double knee braces. It took her almost a full year to come back from. She came back for a little while, but then she quit jujitsu and took up CrossFit. But anyway, that's... That's wild that your friend is in so much pain. And obviously, you know, you feel a kernel of responsibility, but really you were just trying to do something good for them. And you can't control what they did. And also we can't control what happens at jiu-jitsu. And if a person is not uh, physically prepared or they don't have a word of warning, um, they might just go all in and, and then it can, it can cause problems. I think one of the best things you can do is – just say to them that the, the, the best thing to do is underdoing it is better than overdoing it. That sounds very like trite. But basically, if you can just encourage someone to stay consistent for months at a time, then ramp up. But one of the hardest things is the person's like, I'm fine. I can do more. I'm fine. I can do more. And that's a really fucking hard lesson to learn when you have to have major surgery on your hips. Yeah, look, I think the, you know, that's a little bit of a, a horror story, what happened to your friend regarding the hip surgery and stuff. And likewise with, you know, you're saying about the double knee reconstruction and these things are not the norm, right? They, they do happen disproportionately you know, high, like they happen quite a bit in but they're still not the norm, right? People are less likely to have to have, they're not, it's not guaranteed that you're going to get a surgery level injury. But moreover, the, they're a consenting adult. So if you're the person that encourages them to go try this thing, there's actually no responsibility on you at all. It's like no. I say, bro, you've got to go fucking try this cafe around the corner and then JT get gets hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, it's like, shit, I'm going to feel a little bit bad about that, but I'll get over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me getting hit by a car, Joe's not losing any sleep on <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I'm fucking a podcast by myself now. I'm not going to have a lot to say. <laughs> but the reality is like, yeah, people make fucked up decisions and jiu-jitsu as a culture is a little bit kind of fucked up in that way and this is really an extreme example of what can end up happening. Mm. I suppose for you, like, like you've done with this, this fella that you've introduced to it here in Sydney, yeah, you know, sharing your kind of view on it, hey, stoked you're into it, here's something that I've learned, you know, fucking three times a week's probably enough, you should lift weights because you're going to get injured and check out this podcast – that's all you can do. That is actually all you can do because you, 
Like you can't fight against the wave of influence they're getting from their experience right now at their academy with their coach and all their training partners and the froth and the love and the bug and all that shit. You, there's nothing you can do to combat that. So give someone the thing and if they choose to hear it or not, that's up to them. Yeah, and look, I always try to recommend a specific academy. So I, I mean, I've had enough experience and trained at enough different places that I can go. I train there. The program's good there. They've got a good beginner's program, stuff like that. So I always, I never just go, oh, what city are you in? Yeah, just find a gym. That's, I don't like to make recommendations based off nothing. Because maybe, yeah, maybe that it's not a good choice for them to go there. But, he, but what do you say to if you don't, if you're, if it's someone from a city, you don't know the city? Oh, you can do some research. You can do, do you do that for them? Or you're just like, man, go find out. It depends on who it is. Yeah. If, if there's someone close to me, I'll do the research on their behalf. And be like, oh, yeah. I'm aware of this person. Yep, this is this is a safe bet. But then there's the other side of that. I've gone and done a bunch of research, knew the best gym, recommended they go there, and they just didn't fucking do it. And they went to a shit gym and had a shit experience. And what can I do? You know what I mean? There's only so much you can do as the as the good friend that you are. And yeah, to Joe's point, you shouldn't take that on because who knows? You could have recommended Jujitsu, and she could have taken up pole dancing and then ends up being a stripper and gets addicted to coke and fentanyl and then she's on the street <laughs> and that could be a lot worse no I, I i think we never want to see our friends injured we never want to see our friends have a bad experience we love jujitsu the best thing you can do is speak from your own experience and give them a heads up because a lot of people never get that heads up yes sir there it is all right y'all fam if you want to leave a voicemail pop on in the uh go to the website bulletproof of bjj.com podcast page Recorded voicemail, giddy up.